Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, January 10th. We are still live here at the Varsity Tennis Center in Ann Arbor covering this week's Oracle Pro Series event, the first ATP Challenger event in Ann Arbor in far too long. As the official media partners of the event, Chris Halliorce and I have had the privilege to do some play-by-play commentary on the live stream. You may have heard us this past night. We called Huey Lamins versus Seymour and Fenty. We called, oh my god, I'm losing track, Galloway. Played with Hawk against Bellucci and Sakamura. And then our last match, I do remember Ulysses Blanche taking out Patrick Kipson in our final round of 16 singles match. Really fun action today to call in the play-by booth. We also had a ton of fun action throughout the night, and joining me to recap our fourth day here, you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, and certainly the mad dog Chris Russo to my Mike Francesa in that I'm the one with the ego, but he's the one who's going to get us blown up. Chris Hallioris, welcome back to the Mini Break Podcast tonight. Always a pleasure to be joined by you. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad to hear a little added, to, a little added spice to the intro there at the end. I mean, I think you should have you should have to work something like that in every time. I saw your eye roll, and I was just like, that is too brutal for me to hand. Because I always try and keep it fresh for the coaches, and I've noticed myself always game, fame, all these same rhymes. Yours is rock solid, so I don't know if I want to spend the effort to change it. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But that being said, it has absolutely been a pleasure to be joined by you in Ann Arbor here all week. Really fun for us, I know, to get to have the chance to work on our play-by-play skills, to get to see these matches in person, the level from all of these players so high thus far. As we've been doing every night, we've been recapping our daily results, the action we saw or did not see. Hopefully you listeners have been able to follow everything on livestream.com backslash ATP. That's what we're going to be doing again here breaking down our day four results and I think the match we have to start with is a match that neither you nor I were there for I know you got to see the first set and we weren't in the play-by-play booth but certainly the match of the day the one we spent the last night getting giddy for Stefan Kozlov versus Brandon Nakashima Kozlov taking a 4-6-6-3-6-2 win over the former UVA freshman who has since turned pro I know Nakashima entered the event as the higher ranked player but in Stefan Kozlov the 20 one-year-old. The veteran, who is really at a make-or-break point in his career, has plateaued these past you know, one and a half, two years, finds himself outside the top 400 coming into this week, and now he makes himself a quarterfinal result. He knocks out the sixth seed, he knocks out Nakashima, he knocks out Rinderneck thus far, and I think this was his best performance of the week, Chris. Yeah, I mean... You know, when I was as you said, I was here for for part of that first set, and from and when I was watching, 
uh, Nakashima looked to be the one that was kind of in control. He was dictating play. He was hitting the big game, as you expect him to hit the bigger ball, and you get the Koz ball, as you like to say, from, from Kozlov. But uh, uh, that obviously had, had turned in the second and, second and third, and, and Kozlov kind of was able to, was able to Im- impose his will and, and come back with the win. But, yeah, it was, a, it's a, it was interesting to watch because, again, it wasn't the typical just slugfest on the indoor courts. Uh, we, we got a little bit of the grind that we knew we would, we would see. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a big, big win for Kozlov. Obviously, as you stated, for him to, to, as to where he's fallen in the rankings, to try to make a good early season push uh, to get back up there. I mean, he's, he's actually in, you know, in that, when you start getting into that four to 500 range, now you're teetering in the, well, you may not even, you're not going to get into, say, the 125K uh challengers or you know it's not it's not just a matter of getting in or playing the challengers now you got to get into all of them so so it's a good good win for him and a good good important tournament for him for Kozlov he with this win cracks the top 400 again finds himself at 399 in the live rankings a win tomorrow gets him into that top 370 range which I'm sure is something he is itching to get back to Look, 2019 was an incredibly rough year for him, 22-18 and 18 overall. He dealt with injuries at different portions of the year. Uh, you know, the development, the serve was still giving him trouble. And that's the big thing I'm happy to see from him thus far this week. And just since he's ended his 2019 season, quarterfinaled his last tournament of the year there when he went down to Champagne and lost to J.J. Wolf 2-2, two and two, which not a great loss, although J.J.'s been playing quite well. Uh, but yeah, for Stefan Kozlov in this match, makes 66% of his first serves, 78% win percentage on those points. He went 46 of 59, 15 of 30 on the second serve points. And that was the biggest difference between him and Brandon Nakashima in this match. Kozlov, 3 of 4 on break points, Brandon 1 of 4. And that was because Brandon, 11 of 25, 44% on second serves. He's young still, right? He's 18, 19 years old at this point in his career. The second serve as he physically develops, certainly something that will beef up as a part of his game. But that's where Kozlov got to play, got to impose his will of vintage Kozball. It was when he was dictating, throwing in the backhand slices, not letting Nakashima just tee off from the baseline like he was in the first set. And that's why I'll always enjoy Stefan Kozlov's game. I swore off of it. I joked about that last night. uh, But... I'm intrigued. It's like a drug addiction. You're right back in once you get a little taste of it. You're just the variety he plays with, the way he can throw an opponent off balance. It's Medvedevian in quality. It's just different from the overpowering games we've seen from a Blanche or a Simon or even a Kipson in that it's just funky, Chris. And a back-to-back quarterfinals now at the challenger level, what it shows me is there's still a lot of upside for Stefan Kozlov. Would you agree or disagree? It uh, depends on what you want to classify as upside. Upside from 400, absolutely. Uh, upside for getting into like the top hundred, uh, I'm not so sure, right? I mean, it's that it's it's tough. It's not that that can't be done, but that game has to play that kind of game to get there has to be done really, really well. You know, and I, I equate it to you know you call them the uh, what do you, you call them the the Medvedev point seven five. I <laughs> think I uh, I would you know when I with the college tennis I see. I equate that kind of game style to me to, to a Carl Soderlund game where you're just you're just getting I mean it's what whatever I don't know 
Soderlund's like six foot five, a yeah. little more firepower. Yeah, it's not the frame, but yeah, but I don't. But in, when I watch Soderlund, he doesn't use that firepower that often. And more often than not, he's throwing junk at you. He'll play the rally balls, and then he'll throw in the drop shots and the slice balls and the and the, you know the 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 high balls and just whatever it takes to get you out of your rhythm. It's just an ugly game to play against. Right? It's the it's the kind of game you don't want to play unless you're really really good and on your form because he's there. He's going to get you out of your rhythm. And then obviously all of these guys have the ability to just when they want to hit the ball, hit the ball and put it away. So you just don't know what's coming. I thought that was the really interesting part from. Uh, the Nakashima match was how he dealt with that variety. Still not the most comfortable moving forward, and I thought that was exposed particularly well in the second and third sets. Kozlov, whatever he did with his first passing shot, Nakashima usually gave him a look at a second one, and with a guy with the defensive skills of Stefan Kozlov, you just can't give him another chance like that. So I thought that's why he was able to have the success he did. And for Stefan Kozlov, now you look in the men's singles draw moving forward. He's going to match up against the number one seed in tomorrow's quarterfinals, Bjorn Fertangelo, who was a 6-3-6-3 winner over John McNally. That was the match that finished right before we started on the play-by-play stream, Chris, but I know we both got to see a little bit of that. For Tangelo, uh, talk about a guy who's been near the top 100, who knows what it takes, the skills to get there, whether he can progress much higher than top 90, top 80 is yet to be seen, but a guy who, coming back from injury, Again, he's kept it routine. 3-3 three and three in this match here. In his first match on the tournament, Vertangelo was 3-3 three and three over Gastel Elias. He has to feel comfortable, particularly given the fact he's not 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's 6'1", 6'2", and his all-around game still shining through on these indoor courts. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's really been given the big test yet. I mean, it's you know, it's, you can't say that he's not tested at all. Obviously, the guys he's played are, are very good players, but... Uh, you know, not not certainly, uh, you know, top two hundred players yet. Uh, but he's gonna he's going to get a, a test from Kozlov for sure, a different kind of test. You know, obviously he played today in McNally, a bigger hitter than than Kozlov is going to be, and then tomorrow he'll get a you know not quite the big hitter, but the much more consistent hitter. And and frankly, for for him coming off of injury to really see what he's got and how, what his movement looks like. That you know, Kozlov's going to give is definitely going to give him uh, the test there to make to to move him around the court and see what he's got. Yeah, for Bjorn for Tangelo today. Again, he kept it clean. Seventy-five percent of his first serves go in. He wins twenty-nine of those thirty-six first serve points. Eight of twelve on second serve points. Didn't face a single break point throughout the match. For John McNally, I'm going to keep harping on this, Chris, because you had the audacity to say I was wrong, and I'm convinced I was right about this, and we both know I don't like being called wrong. Second serves for McNally, 8 of 22, 36%. You want to know the gap between the challenger level and the top guys in college? Everything just has to be that much cleaner. You have to make more first serves. McNally makes 61% in this match. When you're playing a guy in Bjorn Fertangelo who's making 75%, that's just not good enough. You can't give sitters to a guy with the return capabilities of a Fertangelo who tees off on some sitters uh, that McNally offered for second serves. Now, it's a credit to John McNally that he made the round of 16 here. No one's trying to diminish what he's accomplished as a college kid. But that being said, you're right. You'll be on for Tangelo. 
guys like that just a little bit more right now than McNally, who looked a little one-dimensional with the big serve, big forehand in this loss to Fertangelo. We'll talk about Fertangelo Kozlov and why that's a fun matchup in a little bit, but I want to stick with the young Americans, stick with the day four results that we had today, and I think we should talk about not next our nightcap, a really fun match um, in terms of in concept. Ulysses Blanche, 21-year-old American, who with this win moves up into the 380s of the ATP singles ranking. He took on Patrick Kipson, a former Kalamazoo champion, former Texas A&M guy, a guy coming back off of a severe injury in 2019. Through the first set, you know, through the first half, through the first three quarters of the set, and Kipson did serve for it. Uh, Patrick Kipson looked really good. He reminded everyone why he was such a highly esteemed junior. And yet, Chris, for the second night in a row, the serve, the forehand, the overwhelming power of Ulysses Blanche when he decided to step up on backhand returns, just too much for Kipson tonight. Yeah, it just got away. I mean, like you said, Kip, Kip was up 5-4 five, five, serving for the first set. Uh you know, goes down at love forty, gets it back to Deuce, and you're thinking, oh, he's gonna he's gonna save it here. Gets next two points, Blanche gets gets broken, and that was pretty much it. I mean, you know, they they got into a breaker, Blanche takes the breaker fairly easily, and then just runs away, gets the first four games of the second set, and and then ends up taking an easy six two. Uh, second set but yeah I mean Kipson like you said he looked he looked outstanding for the you know up through you know 5-3 or you know maybe maybe 4 4-2 and then it just it just kind of got away and and somehow the advantage that he seemed to have in not letting Blanche impose his will with the big forehand just just disappeared and all of a sudden Blanche started hitting hitting the big ball and had Kipson on the run and and dictated play and, and he just he never never got it back for Kipson I agree with you that through that first half three quarters of the set he dictated just as much and even though Blanche was hitting through his forehand his backhand his serve it didn't matter Kipson was doing plenty to keep Blanche off balance sure Blanche could hit the forehand but he wasn't unloading the forehand and then things flipped and you have to ask for Patrick Kipson coming back from injury two three set matches in his first two matches here uh, physically you want to, you're wondering how he's holding up but it was a testament to Ulysses Blanche who in this match makes 68% of his first serves again 34 of 38 89% conversion rate on that first serve that's elite stuff that shows indoor tennis challenger level I'm ready to compete with anyone he goes 9 of 18 on the second serve to Kipson's 10 of 22 and the second set really got away from Kipson quickly and you could sort of see at the end of the first set physically he was ailing sort of grabbing at his wrist at his arm his shoulder all these different things Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But for Ulysses Blanche, I, again, well, we talk about it on the stream all the time, and if any of you have missed the stream, you can go check the replay out at livestream.com backslash ATP. But it's just a dominant quality. It's the sort of quality that, regardless of the level, ATP 250, Challenger, Future, you see the path for Blanche to win matches easily simply by holding serve and then giving himself chances to be aggressive as a returner. 
Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you watch his game. He's got the game. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got the serve. He's got the forehand. He's got the backhand. We don't see him come in a lot. So, you know, can't really say how, you know, how he'd fare there. But he doesn't have to. And there are a lot of guys that, on tour that don't come to the net, right? There's no re- that he doesn't have to come in. But, but the one thing that's got, you know, if I could take him and then put a different mental positive attitude kind of guy in his head I'd be all in but you know it's it's he he comes out looking a little like you said he's a little pissed off and and maybe that you know that can be a good thing but I think he's to me it's not he it's not even necessarily a a very a really good constructive one it's just he kind of comes out ready to question calls like he's looking for a reason to get mad as if maybe that's what fires him up but I'd much rather see a guy that's just super, super positive and ready to go and jumping around and excited, not, you know, looking down and ready to be mad. But I think, you know, if if he and internally, maybe that's what he needs to that's that's what gets him going is, is that kind of attitude. But if he's got the mental side of it, his game, there's no doubt that there's tons of upside to his game. I asked you this on the broadcast. I'll ask you again here. Where are these players, you know, where do you have them? Let's say end of 2025, the 1998s. I'm going to name you five guys. You tell me who's going to be ranked from highest to lowest. Tiafo, Wolf, Kozlov, Mo, Blanche. Give me your list. In 2025? 2025. So this is projecting upside because right now the gap between Tiafo and some of the other guys, huge. Mo and, you know, I'm curious. What are you thinking? Man, I gotta, I gotta get, get these, get these names here first. Uh, uh, so again, so, for you listeners, I'll repeat it because Chris, old man, he's got to write this down. Tiafo. The 1998s: Tiafo, Tiafo, Kozlov, Mo, Wolf, Blanche. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go. Oof. 2025. And we should keep in mind, J.J. Wolf not here in Ann Arbor, but just made the semifinals in Noumea, his first challenger result of the year, and he has that Columbus title from last year to defend, so I'm sure he's happy to keep those points on the board. All right, 2025. I'm going to go Tiafo first. I don't even need justification from you. I'm just curious. I'm going to go Wolf second. Wow. Tell that to 2011, Alex. He'd have slapped you across the face. Blanche third, Mo fourth, and Kozlov fifth. I can say it because we're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to, it doesn't matter what I think. Kozlov was going fifth no matter what, just, <laughs> just for you. <laughs> no, hopefully I get the chance again. We should be doing – I will be at least at all of these quarterfinal matches. Hopefully you'll be there to join me as well. But I'll get the chance to call my first Kozlov match as he takes on Bjorn for Tangelo tomorrow. I'm not going to cop out of that. Don't worry. By 2025, I, if one of these guys hasn't caught Francis Tiafo, then I'm going to be worried because I hate to say Francis Tiafo made that Australian Open quarterfinal last year but not sold on his upside as a top 20, top 15 guy. The Blanche serve plus one is, if I mean, same with Wolf too. JJ Wolf, we've seen what he is—a foundational player. He knows how to win. That's something—a skill he clearly learned in college, and that's something you can't teach. Something you have to learn through experience. This is a guy who will nut up when it's the biggest portion of a match. Who's not afraid of the big moment. I love Kaz. Michael Moe, had he not gotten injured, was inside the top 100, winning ATP 250 matches, making a quarterfinal before that happened. 
I think all of them reach the top 100 by 2025. I do. But come 2025, ugh, you can see the pain in my face right now. I'm going to go Tiafo, Tiafo, Wolf Kozlov, Mo, Mo Blanche. And I don't feel good about that, by the way. Um, Tiafo Wolf. Wolf. He's writing this down, You're listeners, and we'll You're keep this live. Tiafo Wolf, Kozlov, okay, so Mo Blanche. Which wow. is crazy because Blanche has looked so good, Chris. Yeah, how can you put him fifth in that in that group? Because I think all of these guys are so good. I think there are a lot of people who can produce big serves and big forehands. And I think Ulysses Blanche, who probably might still be in this facility and has looked as good as any player this week, probably my player of the day. But there's just something to those other four guys. I've seen it more frequently. I've seen it more consistently. Physically, Blanche can probably do things that the other can't even imagine, but uh, all I'll say is the 96s, 7s, and 8s. Again, the 6s, Escobedo, Rubin, Donaldson, the 7s, Paul, Fritz, uh, Opelka, and Eubanks. This is a big Great Shot podcast topic for later, but this is why I'm excited for the 2020s in American tennis. Someone in this 96 through 98, 99, 2000s group had better make the top 10, and it feels like there's enough talented people that maybe one of them will. Wow. That's a that's a big ask. One American in the top ten by twenty thirty? That's not a big ask. Are well, you from su- from which group? From any of the years? Yeah, any of oh, the years. Oh, I thought you meant just this oh. year. Oh no 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 no. no. Okay. Sorry, from any of those years. Any like, of the one years. would better hope. Like we don't have a top ten person. I'm looking at you, Riley Opelka. I feel like things would have gone horribly wrong for the men this decade. Yeah, I mean it's I mean it's still a, it's a it's still a good ask, not as tough as I thought if you're looking at one year, but yeah, that's I mean, you know, top 10 is not that's obviously that's not an easy feat, but no, I think that's that's possible. Sure. Yeah. And it's something we will be looking forward to and we know the guys here this week want to get a good start so that they can reach their rankings goals. Let's run through the rest of these results before we preview tomorrow's action. We talked about Fertangelo Kozlov being winners. Roberto Sid, much less complicated today than yesterday. He knocks off a, fo- a fellow former college tennis player in Seku Bangora, 6-4-6-4. Roberto Quirose over Sir Darusic, 7-5-7-6. Uh, Daniel Altmaier knocks out line uh, Illinois senior former All-American or current All-American I suppose Alex Kovacevich 5776663 Eden Lashem over our 13 seed Sakamoto in three sets 466375 and then our last one the number eight seed, eight seed JC Aragoni knocking off Lucas Gerch 366464 Chris you look at those results give me your top for performer and top match of the day first I have to counter since you gave me the I told you so well <laughs> Kuro's win seven five seven six. What was his second serve percentage? Oh, I, I bet you looked this up. Of course I did. <laughs> it's like forty eight percent is what he wins on his second serve or something. Okay, but oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at those stats and tell me that you think he won the match. Yeah. Okay, so Sarah for so, ridiculously good. For context, listeners, in terms of serving percentage, first serve wise, they're pretty similar. Sir Darusic, 65, Kiro, 68. First serve points won, 34 of 43 for Sir Darusic, 79%, 46, 57, 81% for Kiro's. Second serve points, 16 of 23 for Sir Darusic, 70%. 13 of 27, 48% for Kiro's. However, he saves all three breakpoints he faces. 
Serta Rusic broken once on the four break points Kiro's earned for himself. It's indoor tennis. It's tiebreaker tennis. That there was only one break of serve in this match is why a result like that was possible. Yeah. No, I just I, I just had to had, yeah, had, to, had to register my no. counterpoint. As we say uh, in another podcast we do, hey, great shot because that was pretty <laughs> clever. But all right, give me your top performer, top match of the day. Oh boy. Um I guess I mean just because a we called it and b it was it was stellar. Uh, it, I'll, I'll give it I'll give it to uh, I'll give the top performer to Blanche. I mean, got down early, just you know from the from from five four down in the first set, lights out, just ran Kipson off the court. Uh, you know, uh, gets gets it into the breaker and then runs up four love in the second, doing exactly what we saw him do against. Noah Rubin uh, knocking out the two seed, just absolutely outstanding. Uh, I think that was probably I'll, I'll give that my top top performer and uh, and top match. I would say yeah, I'll I'll give it I'll give it to your boy. <laughs> I'll give it. I'll go with the Kozlov Nakashima match. You know, I haven't said hello to him yet this week. I'm like terrified. I'm gonna call this match. He's gonna look in the corner and like our first interaction, and he's gonna be mad at me because I'm too loud. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I another feel, relationship I ruined. feel like I need to run out you know some like early morning somewhere to an Ann Arbor like tea shop and get a get a I heart Kozlov shirt made <laughs> <laughs> come in come in for the morning session <laughs> yeah no I'll be I'll be loaded up let me tell you I'll be ready to go just sitting here I'll be whispering I'll be like Steph are you mad at me can you hear me um, no, but I I appreciate you giving it, I guess, two quotations, my boy. Um, a performer of the day, I'm going to give it to a doubles team. We haven't talked about those results yet. Fenty and Seymour, awfully impressive in knocking out the number four seeds, Trait Huey and Nate Lamb in 6-3-7-6 today. Uh, we also had Galloway and Hawk over Bellucci and Sakamoto, 10-7 in the third. Aragoni and Bangora over Kozlov and Lovett, 10-4 in the third. Those were two first-round matches. And then our nightcap here, Barrientos and Gomez knocking off the number one seeds, Evan King and Hunter Reese, 6-4, uh, 3-6, 10-3. Not only were Fenty Seymour the only straight-set doubles winners maybe of the entire tournament thus far, but it was the way they stepped up their game. I'm going to be honest. Last night, their win over Beanie and Johnston, it was pretty sloppy. I was not feeling particularly happy about either of my Wolverine doubles teams after that one. And yet tonight, you saw the firepower from Fenty and Seymour. Arguably, they had more firepower than two former, if not current, top 100 ATP doubles players. That's a plus. The way Fenty and Seymour stepped up, they were leading for the entirety of the match. They threw in one bad break when Fenty served for it, but other than that, they were relatively consistent the way Fenty went after his returns, went after his forehand. They played with no fear. They played with big firepower, and they beat a number four seed in a challenger event. They've been, I think they were 12-2 and in the fall. ITA Midwest region uh, runners-up after knocking off two Ohio State teams along the way. This is a really good doubles team, and for a Michigan lineup that's lacking in singles depth, four through six, always going to be the toughest spots for them. But with Fenty, Seymour, Styler, the freshman up top in singles, plus two, I think one really workable doubles team, plus one really workable doubles player in Connor Johnston, I've grown more and more confident about my Wolverines. Not top 10 range. I'm not throwing, they're going to beat Illinois, they're going to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten Championship. I'm not ridiculous. But this is going to be a top you know, 20 team, a team competing to host an NCAA regional for sure.
Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And you're right, they, Fenty and Seabar looked absolutely outstanding. We kept thinking, you know, we were here watching the match thinking, hey, they're hanging in. Hey, they're hanging in. And it was at three all in the second when I said, they're doing a little more than hanging in. No, it's like, they're are they going to win? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> and, and then, yeah, lo and behold, boy, they get into they get in there and, and they get the job done. Uh, it's, yeah, that's a, that's a huge win for them beating a team with, uh, I think, uh, I think we said Lamons was inside the top hundred right now, ish. like 95 and, 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 and Huey 118 and Huey just outside, but a former top 20 doubles player. I mean, that's a, that's an outstanding win for them. Uh, and you know, kind of that making their case for them to be the number one dubs team for for Michigan this year, but yeah, absolutely, I, I can't argue with that as a, as a top performance. And we talked about will Coach Steinberg want to play Connor Johnston at one doubles yet again? Will he split up the duo of Seymour and Fenty because they're both able to produce so much power? When they do things like this, it makes it harder and harder to justify splitting them up because they have looked that good. So those are my top performers of the day. Yeah. A Kozlov quarterfinal appearance, getting the chance to call him on the live stream. That's obviously my best match of the day because it all went exactly according to plan. But that leads us to the last thing I want to do here. Day 5 preview. We've got a full slate of action tomorrow as well. I'm going to read the matches for you here and then, Chris, get your thoughts. But you look at the schedule. We start out with Roberto Sid versus Roberto Quiroz. A little UCF. UCF? USF for Sid, right? Sid, USF. Yeah, USF versus USC battle. We've got Fratangelo Kozlov, two guys who made Junior Slam finals, were ready to skip college. Aragoni versus Blanche. Big serves, big forehands, explosive athleticism in that match for sure. And then our nightcap singles wide, this, the number 10 seed, Altmaier versus Eden Lashem of Israel. Doubles, we've got Barrientos and Gomez versus Fenty Simar. Aleppo Quiroz versus Galloway and Ha Hans. And then, of course, JC Aragoni and Bangora versus Martinez and Rambol. Chris, you look at that slate of matches. Give an overall preview on the day of what you are expecting, your favorite match, and, you know, the, and the one match, if you were a fan, you would not want to miss, other than the ones we are obviously doing on the live stream, which, again, livestream.com backslash ATP. If you're not listening by now, what are you doing? Yeah, I think the one I'm, I'm really looking forward to see again, I'll, I'll stick with, with Blanche just to see what he can do. And, and again, I mean, we get, and then we get to see, you know, former UVA star J.C. Aragoni. If you're not here for that match, I'm calling it without you. I yeah. just want you to know. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna make sure I'm, I'm around. But yeah, that's, that's the match I most want to see. The one I'm probably most interested in after that, at least from a single standpoint, is the Kozlov Fratangelo match. Fratangelo, gonna, you know, I expect him to win the match, but I expect Kozlov to make it very, very tough on him. Uh, and and we'll see what what he can do. So, I think that's those are the two matches I'm looking most most forward to. Uh, the Kozlov Fratangelo one stands out. It's two Americans who both 
have been in the limelight since the start of the 2010s decade. This is supposed to be their decade when they take over American men's tennis, take the baton from the Isners, from the queries of the world. And they're both a little bit off track for different reasons. These are both two incredibly cerebral, well-rounded tennis players. I think the diversity of point we're going to see tomorrow is going to make for a really fun match. I also think it's going to be fun to see Fertangelo tested physically for the first time. Kozlov certainly going to extend and stretch him in ways he hasn't been yet. The Battle of the Robertos is always really fun. I mean, there's two of them in one place. Lefty-righty uh, matchup here. Former college tennis guys. I'm excited to see Fenty and Seymour as well. Let's see if yeah. they can ride the wave. They're the nightcap, a U of M crowd, a Friday night. Hopefully we get some drunk fraternity members in here cheering them on because you know, when the Varsity Tennis Center is rocking, it can be so much fun. But overall, really fun day of tennis. I'm excited for all of it. And as I mentioned, I am going to be here all day long calling your center court action. Chris will join me as early as he can early in the day. That's part of the fun of being the media partners here for this Oracle Pro Series event in Ann Arbor. And we want to give a shout out to a couple of sponsors who have helped us here uh, throughout the week. Top Notch Management, Oracle Sports, UTR, of course, our friends at Aerobar who have kept athletes here uh, well fed and up to date. And of course, for you listeners, if you use our promo code CRACKED30, you can get 30% off your first order of Aerobars. More potassium than a banana, more delicious than the garbage popcorn Chris and I have been throwing you know, wolving down in between matches. I also learned poor Mike Cation. That guy must pee, like, on the hour, every hour and a half, like clockwork, so that he never gets stuck during a match. I found myself gargling water so that I don't lose my voice at some point this week, and, you know, that leads me to the bathroom. I've got the, I've got the bladder of my father, um, but... It's been so fun to be here, Chris, and so I know we are so excited for this tournament weekend. It's crazy that it's already Friday. This weekend flew by. Feels like you just got here. It's 11, or I should say it's 10.55 Thursday night, but this is the Friday podcast, so really only one more day of full action from then. It gets pretty narrow on in terms of the match play we're going to see. I know I'm really excited for that. Any final thoughts from you before we wrap here tonight? Nah, just, I mean, like you said, great, these these long days, I mean, who Who'd have thunk it's 11 o'clock? Last night it was 11.30 or so when I rolled out. But, uh, you know, it's it's been great fun. Love doing the broadcasts. Great Seeing some great tennis. And, and, yeah, I mean, getting to see a lot of these young guys that we expect, you know, hopefully – some of our predictions come true, and we are seeing some of these guys in the in the future years, uh, especially these American kids, cracking into the into the top of top hundred and, and higher. I'm going to tell you a story, Chris, about it being a late night last night, as you mentioned, and we'll leave Westoff the choice of whether he wants to leave it in or not. So Westoff, potential violin right here. <laughs> But with that, we're back. Uh, Yeah, it's been really fun here is the theme, Chris. And obviously, we are able to have as much fun as we are with the comfort of knowing our super producers, Max Lingner and Daniel Westhoff, are ready for the the job they have to do editing-wise each and every night. A huge shout-out to them. Huge shout-out to all of you listeners who have been following along. We appreciate that, as always. And if you could, like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, our College Contenders series this week focused on Wake Forest. And I know, Chris, you and I had the chance to chat with Tony Bresk 
Kaminsky as well as Mastic Koyak to break down their 2020 season. Only one team left to go there, Texas, and then we'll have hit all 10 men's teams. That's a crazy thought for you, you know, and a testament to the work we've been putting in. So shout out to you, Chris. But with that in mind, for the wonderful play-by-play co-host, many dames of the Liberty Flames, I'll change up the rhyme so it's not the same every time, Chris Halioris. For our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff, that was rough, I'm sorry. And for our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? We say for all the dames that have never gotten an I love you with a no pants on from Gruskin, (laughs) that's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 